Jeepers Creepers, it's February 29th. It's Leap Day. So leap into another edition of MLB Morning Coffee right now. Leap Day William, Leap Day William, first team from the sea. Will he bring his bucket of sweets for mom and pop and me? My Leap Day William is visiting. Did you not grow up with Leap Day William? He lives in the Mariana Trench. He emerges every four years to trade children's tears for candy. Oh, yes! Happy Leap Day, everybody, here on MLB Morning Coffee. My name is Greg Mraz, your host, as per usual. I had to get that cut from 30 Rock in there. I think the fact that if any show was going to create a mystical character out of Leap Day, then it definitely would be 30 Rock. For those of you who didn't know the reference in that opening clip, Leap Day William is a guy that dresses up in a blue and gold suit. He appears from the Mariana Trench every Leap Day to trade children's tears for candy. Um, Oh, gosh. And then they actually continued the joke on a USA special, Leap Dave Williams, that they actually got Jim Carrey to play the character for that role. He grows gills and learns that nothing that happens on Leap Day counts, so he basically is just willing to to do anything. He he jumps into uh, the ocean, and then he just is, like, running down the shirt, running down the street with his shirt off. Oh, my goodness. Well, we've got another kind of slow news day. We're going to do an addition to the Daily Grounds, and then we're going to go through all of our projections, and I compare these projections with those of MLB.com. They just recently put out a list of who they think is going to be every team's opening day starter. I personally think that most of them are right. Some of them I do disagree with, but we'll have that conversation a little bit later on. But first, as we do pretty much every day, here are the Daily Grounds. So here's an interesting story in regards to Major League Baseball drug use. This past offseason, MLB removed marijuana from a list of its banned substances, but players are still subject to punishment for marijuana use while at the ballpark. Basically, Major League Baseball doesn't want their players showing up high or actually doing marijuana during games. As recreational marijuana becomes legal in more and more cities, currently it is legal in 12 cities occupied by major league teams, and medicinal marijuana is legal in 26 of the 30 major league locations, with the exceptions being Georgia, Texas, and Wisconsin, so meaning the Atlanta Braves, Astros, Rangers, and the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that it's a good thing because of the fact that Marijuana really isn't a deterrent to anything. It doesn't enhance your performance. It very rarely negatively affects your performance. Marijuana actually affects you less than, for say, alcohol, which is a known substance in clubhouses after games. And heck, I wouldn't be surprised if there have been players over the years that have been having beers during games. Heck, Babe Ruth had a beer in his hand in between innings of almost every game. I remember an old folk tale that there was a bar that was across the street from the old Comiskey Park on the south side of Chicago, and there was actually a tunnel that went from the visitor's dugout underneath, I believe it was Shields Street. It's on the corner of 35th and Shields. I've been there so many times, and I can't seem to remember the cross streets. And it actually went up and into the bar. So in between innings when the Yankees were batting and Ruth was not scheduled to hit, he would actually go under, get a beer from this bar, and then come back 
to the dugout. So the fact that Major League Baseball is policing it on game days, okay, fine. I can see how that might affect people. But if you're removing it from the banned substance list, you have to be absolutely clear as to what times it is and is not permissible to use it. Because if you're not clear in that regard, then you're going to have a lot of problems and a lot of blurred lines, figuratively and literally, during the course of this season. And if it's not clear, then players are going to manipulate the rule to their advantage. And everybody needs to be on the same page or else you could see, as not surprising by the way that Major League Baseball acts, punishments that are just for some and unjust for others. My whole point, get it right, make sure that it's clear so that we have defined lines as to what is permissible and what is not when it comes to marijuana use. Encouraging news out of Royals camp where Salvador Perez caught yesterday for the first time since Tommy John surgery. He caught the first four innings of the Royals split squat game against the San Francisco Giants. Quote, I was super excited to be back behind the home plate, Perez said. I feel great. I feel good. I wasn't nervous. He hurt a ligament in his right elbow during drills in spring training last year, and his doctor said that he needed Tommy John surgery, which he had on March 6th. It was emotional, Perez continued. It was kind of like opening day. Once you catch the first pitch, it's a regular game. I blocked some balls through the second base between innings. It was all great. Royals right-hander Trevor Rosenthal struck out two in a perfect third inning, and I think Rosenthal is a really good acquisition for them as well. I think Perez is somebody that could be a candidate to be traded at the deadline because the Royals aren't going anywhere. I don't necessarily know what a 30-plus-year-old catcher is going to do on a rebuilding team. Maybe he wants to stay in Kansas City. It's the only place that he's ever known. But I think that somebody, if Perez proves to be healthy, is going to pay to have him around, and the Royals could end up getting some more assets back for him. Kansas City is stacked when it comes to their pitching side of things in their minor league system. Expect to see guys like Brady Singer, Jackson Kowar, and Daniel Lynch, who were all top two-round draft picks in 2018, come to the majors at some point this year. They've also got guys like Chris Bubich and Alec Marsh, top picks from 18 and 19 that are going to find their way to the high minors this season. Kansas City is fine on the pitching side of things, but they don't have a ton of projectable talent on the offensive side of things. So if Perez is going to net back a couple of high-level prospects that could be everyday position players for the Royals for the near future, you might as well take that chance. It's going to be interesting to see how Kansas City navigates this system because they have a lot of assets, guys like Perez, Rosenthal, who we just mentioned, and Greg Holland that has finally returned to Kansas City that could end up being a big boon to somebody else's postseason run. In other cardiology news, we mentioned Brad Wick a couple of days ago for the Chicago Cubs. Brandon Nimmo, the outfielder for the New York Mets, has been cleared to play by a cardiologist after he got a report that said that they would like to look at something that had gone on in the physical that they did. It was something that came up in 2016, and they want it rechecked, per what Nimmo said to reporters after yesterday's game. The Mets became cautious when they noticed an irregularity in Nimmo's electrocardiogram. Nimmo also went an echocardiogram to ensure he didn't have thickened heart walls. Quote, the layman way they put it to me was an irregular heartbeat. 
but it doesn't happen to me when I get up to 85% of my heart rate. It doesn't affect how I play. It's just a resting heart rate and didn't appear during my peak physical exertion, Nimmo said. I wasn't concerned. It was more frustrating on my end, but I understood. The heart's a difficult thing. You want to check all the boxes on that. His wife, Chelsea, surprised him by tweeting Thursday, quote, he's healthy and feels great, and I also apologize in advance if it breaks any rules I don't know about. Hey, you know what? I think the wife is going to be somebody that is allowed to break rules when it comes to injuries. And Nimmo finished by saying, quote, I guess I have a little bit larger heart. Hey, I've got a lot of love to give. So good that Nimmo's going to be all right. And they're going to need him to be healthy if the Mets are going to have any chance to compete in the NL East this season. They're hoping to have Jacob deGrom stay healthy and all the rest of their starters to stay healthy. Don't forget, they picked up Marcus Stroman in the middle of last year. I'm not necessarily sure what to expect from the Mets, but after having to fire Carlos Beltran, hire Luis Rojas, and sort of hit the reset button on the season, the team might be up for sale. Nobody knows what's going to be going on with the Wilpons. You have to just hope that all functions normally for the New York Mets this season, with the Nationals having lost their best position player in Anthony Rendon, I still think the NL East is going to be competitive, and if it's a three-team race come August with the Nationals, the Mets, and the Braves, I won't necessarily be that surprised. Here's some interesting and surprising news. Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association have agreed to make players that are not going to be on the opening day 26-man rosters available for the U.S. Olympic Qualifier Tournament, which is going to take place in Arizona from March 22nd to the 26th. Baseball has been re-added as an Olympic sport for this year's 2020 Games in Japan, which I think made a lot of sense because Japan is a very baseball-centric country, and it made sense to bring it back for these Olympics after baseball has not been a part of the Olympics for each of the last two summer games in 2012 and 2016. I think this is a really cool opportunity for a lot of players that more than likely won't be playing in the major leagues during the months of June and July. However, you get into a bit of a sticky situation that if a team wants to bring a guy up and they're automatically going to be gone for the games, then what do they do? Like, who has priority? Does the player have to come back to the United States and be off the Olympic team? Does somebody else get to be added? How does that process work? How do you structure which teams are going to allow their players to actually go to the Olympics or not? I always found it interesting how the NHL did this for the Winter Olympics because they used to take an Olympic break. So prior to the last Winter Olympics, the NHL would actually take an Olympic break. It would be about a three-week-long break. They'd start the season earlier in years where they were the Olympics, and that would allow players to actually play in those games. I remember in 2010, the Chicago Blackhawks had most of their Stanley Cup team on the gold medal winning Canada team. Patrick Kane was on the silver medal winning U.S. team. So in any event, it's still going to be really cool to have these guys playing in the Olympics. It's just a matter of how do you decide who you're going to let play in these games? How is that going to affect minor league rosters? There's a lot of different Pandora's boxes that could get opened by allowing this to happen, but still, I think it's better to have guys that are pros playing in the Olympic Games than amateurs aren't going to have the same name recognition as most of the high-level minor leaguers. I hope that for the United States' sake that they send the best guys. 
I hope the guys have the time of their lives, and I hope that it doesn't affect their status with their major league clubs. And I can tell you that a lot of current major leaguers would give their you-know-whats to be able to have a chance at a gold medal. So MLB.com put out a list of their more than likely opening day starters, and I'm curious as to see how their projections go with their opening day starters from last year. Now, only one opening day starter has actually been announced, and that's Jack Flaherty. And Flaherty is just 24 years of age. He'll be the youngest Cardinals pitcher to start on opening day. Their starter last year was Miles Michaelis, so this makes really a whole lot of sense. You're likely opening day starters for each team. The Astros have got Justin Verlander. He's had his groin discomfort, but... I think that Verlander is obviously the right choice. He's the ace of their staff. He won the Cy Young last season. The only other possibility would be Zach Greinke, and I just don't think that Zach Greinke is somebody that you're going to want in that role. For the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'm just going based on the list that MLB.com has, and yes, it may seem like this podcast might be a little bit reading off of a list, but you know what? I have opinions. Things can change based on what is projected out there, and thus... We will make sure to give you what we feel like is the right and proper opinion. But anyway, for the Blue Jays, it's got to be Hinjin Ryu. I mean, you spent all that money to get him in the offseason. You got Tanner Roark. I think that that's a good option in case Ryu is not ready to go. Matt Shoemaker is a part of that rotation, so there's a possibility that he ends up as the number two starter. Chase Anderson is with them as well. But at this point, I think it's got to be Ryu. With the Braves, Julio Tehran, who made the last six opening day starts for them, is with the Angels, so I think the likely choice is going to be Mike Soroka, who was second in the NL Rookie of the Year and sixth in the Cy Young. That makes all the sense in the world. Mike Fultonevich would be a good candidate as well. The Braves also added Cole Hamels in the offseason. They still have former top prospect Sean Newcomb, so those are pretty solid options. I think the Braves are going to have... A really good rotation this year. Brandon Woodruff for the Brewers, I think, is going to end up being their opening day starter. He was probably their best overall pitcher last season. Their starting rotation looks a lot different than it did two years ago. In fact, they DFA'd their opening day starter from last year, which was Yolis Chassin. Chassin was a guy that signed a two-year contract with the Brewers, burst onto the scene in 2018, was fantastic in the regular season in the playoffs, and was so bad last year that DFA'd him before the season was over. The Brewers are going to have a pretty young rotation, but Woodruff is that guy that has been the constant throughout these last two playoff seasons. He'll more than likely be the opening day starter for them. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, they predict it's going to be Madison Bumgarner. Zach Greinke is gone. And if you give Bumgarner a five-year, $85 million contract, he sure as heck better be the opening day starter. For the Dodgers, it's going to be Clayton Kershaw. He didn't start opening day last year. That was actually Hinjin Ryu. But with Ryu gone, I think Kershaw is the prime candidate to do so. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers don't announce Kershaw as the opening day starter that it will end up going to Walker Buehler, who is probably the second-best pitcher on that team and at some point, in my opinion, is going to win a Cy Young Award. The Seattle Mariners, it's going to be Marco Gonzalez. He signed an extension in early February. He is the guy that was their opening day starter last year. This is a very young rotation. Gonzalez is one of the few, quote-unquote, veterans, but 
for the sake of what you expect out of veterans, Gonzalez is the guy that's going to be the veteran amongst a lot of young guys. Now let's look to the Marlins. Jose Ureña was their opening day starter last year. I think it's going to be Sandy Alcantara this year. He emerged as the team's ace last year. I think Pablo Lopez has an outside chance of being their opening day starter. For the Mets, I think it's going to probably be Jacob deGrom. He was the reigning Cy Young Award winner when he made his first opening day start in 2019. He'll probably get that honor again this season, even though you have a guy like Marcus Stroman available as well to make that start. For the Nationals, it's going to be Max Scherzer. I know that you re-upped Steven Strasburg to a seven-year contract, but I think Scherzer is going to be the guy that is quote-unquote the ace. I think that Strasburg actually functions better as that presumptive number two. He's a really quiet guy. He kind of functions better as an under-the-radar type of person, so I expect him to do the same. For the Padres, Chris Paddock entered this year's camp looking for an opening day start. We did an earlier segment on how effective he was last season. Really young Padres rotation. I think it'll more than likely be him. For the Phillies, Aaron Nola, former top pick. He was their opening day starter last season. He'll probably do it again this year. I hope that for their sake that Jake Arrieta finally is healthy. Chris Sale is not going to be ready for opening day for the Red Sox. That's our next team on this list. So I would probably say Eduardo Rodriguez, Nate Evaldi might be a candidate. But more than likely, I would say it's going to be Eduardo Rodriguez. And my goodness, how big of a difference has it been from two years ago to now where you don't have Chris Sale, you don't have David Price, and you're going to be looking at Eduardo Rodriguez as your opening day starter for Boston. Such different times, such different times indeed. For the Tigers, I think more than likely it's going to be Matthew Boyd. This is a very young rotation. Jordan Zimmerman got the opening day start last season. Boyd led the team in starts last year with 32. It's still a really young team, so there could be a multitude of different guys that are in contention for this honor, but I think it'll probably be Boyd. Let's stay in the AL Central. For the White Sox, it'll be Lucas Giolito because Carlos Rodon is not completely healthy. He was their opening day starter last year. I think that Giolito being the guy that's been in the organization already makes a lot more sense than, say, a Dallas Keuchel, who is a free agent signee and is in his first year in the rotation. I'd say if you were to go on past success, Keuchel makes a little bit more sense than Giolito per se. But if you want to go with based on results from purely last season, Giolito had an amazing bounce back year. He led the White Sox in wins. He had one of the best single season turnarounds in 2018. He had the worst qualifiers ERA amongst any starter in Major League Baseball. So for him to get the opening day start, I think is probably the right move for the White Sox. For the New York Yankees, the next on this list, Garrett Cole is pretty obvious. I mean, he signed a nine-year, $324 million deal. So for Garrett Cole, he's got to get the opening day start. Masahiro Tanaka is going to be the number two starter. And, yeah, that's pretty simple. There's not really much of a competition there. So this next list of teams, it's a little bit unclear as to where they're going, but I'm going to read them off to you and see if you can probably figure out from there what direction I want to take it in in terms of who I think is going to be this team's opening day starter. Let's start with the Angels. The Angels had Trevor Cahill as their opening day starter last year. 
He is gone. Julio Tehran is probably, I think, going to make the opening day start. It would have been Andrew Haney or Griffin Canning, I think, if Tehran hadn't been acquired. Canning is hurt. He's going to start the season on the IL. Haney is probably the best holdover from the 2019 staff, but I think that Tehran is probably going to end up getting that start. The Oakland A's. Mike Fires got the opening day start last year. He led the team in innings last year. Frankie Montas had a really good start to last year before being suspended. He was on a Cy Young-worthy pace. I mean, he was just absolutely killing it. Sean Manaya is back and healthy, but I think the A's are going to try and put a limit on Sean Manaya's innings given that he didn't really pitch in the big leagues at all except for September last year. I still think it's probably going to be fires. For the Cubs, you Darvish, I think, probably is going to get the start based on the money that they gave him. John Lester is the sentimental pick, but John Lester is in the final year of a six-year contract that he signed prior to the 2015 season. Lester is getting old. He had one of the worst seasons of his big league career last season. I think you got to go with Darvish. Darvish, I think, is on the up and up. He finally seems to have recovered from that disastrous 2017 World Series. This is his third year with the Cubs, and he is going to be set to make a big splash. The San Francisco Giants, this is a really interesting one. I think it's going to be Jeff Samarja. Johnny Cueto made 13 starts in the last two seasons due to Tommy John surgery. I think Cueto's going to be ready to go for opening day. If you wanted the guy who's most talented, I say Cueto. If you want the guy that's going to get you the most innings throughout the year, I say Samarja. And more than likely, the 2021 opening day starter is not going to be Jeff Samarja. This is the last year of his contract, and he is prime trade bait for the Giants, who are looking to deal any veterans for prospects possible during the course of this upcoming season. Now let's move on to a really interesting team, the Cleveland Indians. They traded away Corey Kluber during the offseason. They traded away Trevor Bauer during the middle of last season. It would have probably been Mike Clevenger to start opening day, but he has a knee injury and is going to start the season on the IL. I think more than likely it's going to be Shane Bieber, who came on the scene last year, made his first all-star appearance, was fourth in Cy Young voting. You could also go with Carlos Carrasco, but I think that based on Bieber's performance from last season and the fact that Carrasco pitched so few innings due to his recovery from leukemia, more than likely, I think you probably end up going with Bieber. The Baltimore Orioles. I mean, I don't know. John Means was good. He was second in Rookie of the Year. Alex Cobb is probably going to be healthy. Their 2019 opening day starter was Andrew Kashner. So, I mean, probably John Means. Maybe if Cobb is healthy, it's Alex Cobb. I mean, if a guy finished second in rookie of the year voting, I think you more than likely go with him. But, you know, it's the Orioles. They're going to be really bad again this year, and, you know, they're rebuilding. So, whoever their opening day starter is, it's not going to matter a whole ton. I wish them all the best, but... You know, hopefully the team doesn't give up an American League record for home runs this year, as they did last year. The Pittsburgh Pirates. This is an interesting one. Chris Archer, Joe Musgrove, Jamison Tyon, if he's healthy. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would say probably Chris Archer, just based on the veteran presence, the cachet of his name. 
I always thought that the Archer deal was an interesting move for the Pirates when they made it, and hopefully they are able to trade him at some point during this upcoming season in order to get some value back for him. I think he'll end up being a really good piece for a contending team, but for the Pirates, like the Orioles, I'm not sure it really much matters at all. And I do want to correct what I just said. Jamison Tyon is not going to be a candidate for the starting rotation or the opening day starter, I should say, because he has had a second elbow reconstruction surgery and he's going to miss all of 2020, which is really sad because he is one of the most talented young pitchers in baseball. And I hope that he ends up coming back healthy. Let's move on to the Texas Rangers. I mean, how do you not have it be Corey Kluber? You had Mike Miner and Lance Lynn have pretty solid years in 2019. It was Mike Miner that was the opening day starter. But, I mean, you picked up Corey Kluber. How is your opening day starter not going to be Corey Kluber? I mean, he's a former two-time AL Cy Young Award winner. He is one of the best pitchers in baseball. You picked him up for a reason. The Rangers are trying to contend. I think you have to go with Kluber as your opening day starter to establish why you brought him here. Our next one on the list is the Tampa Bay Rays, and this is a really fascinating one. Do you go with 2018 Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell, or do you go with the second-place Cy Young Award getter Charlie Morton? I think that Snell is more than likely your best move because he's the young gun. He's been there longer. Morton, I think, functions better a little bit under the radar. I think it makes more sense to have Snell. I mean, either way you go, I don't necessarily think it matters. When you have two bona fide aces, does it really matter that much who's the opening day starter like we just alluded to? Clayton Kershaw didn't even start opening day for the Dodgers last year. That was Hinjin Ryu. So, I mean, if you're going to start Snell or Morton, I don't think it really matters that much, but it's going to be one of those two. The Cincinnati Reds, this is interesting. You've got Luis Castillo, who was the team's leader in strikeouts last year, Sonny Gray, who led the team in ERA, and Trevor Bauer, who has been perennially one of the better starters in the American League, at least during his time with the Cleveland Indians. I don't know where you go with this one. Who do you want to establish as the ace of that staff? I think you got to go with Castillo. He was your opening day starter in 2019. You put Sonny Gray in the number two slot, and you got Bauer is your number three, just simply because of the fact Bauer is only on a one-year deal. I don't think he may be there past this year. He may wear out his welcome pretty quickly, like he seems to do in everywhere that he has been. Gray, I think, will function better as a number two, still trying to reestablish that top form that he had when he was a member of the Oakland A's. The Colorado Rockies. This is interesting. John Gray, German Marquez, Kyle Freeland kind of up in the air. Uh, the Rockies, I don't think, are going to contend this season, which is insane because everybody thought they were going to contend last season. I would probably go with John Gray. Uh, the Royals, that's the next team on this list. I don't know why they did. Oh, they did it in alphabetical order. I was going to say, I don't know why they chose the list in terms of the way that they, they did it this year. Uh, Brad Keller for the Royals. Uh, I mean, Danny Duffy is the only other pitcher to make 20-plus starts. Keller was your opening day starter last year. Keller, I think, is establishing himself as a solid big league arm. He more than likely is going to get the start. And the last team on this list, 
I think Jose Barrios more than likely will get the opening day start for the Twins. Uh, Jake Odorizzi was the ERA leader last season, but, you know, Barrios was your number one starter most of the year. I think you go with Barrios, keep Odorizzi the number two, and then you've got a solid option in Rich Hill and Kenta Maeda as your three and fours. We talked about that with Kyle Banduho, and if you want to listen to the rest of that conversation, you can do so by going back and checking out our prior episodes of MLB Morning Coffee. We have a lot of good content, a lot of long-form discussion, and once the season starts, it's going to be more of a daily update on what's going on, some standings updates, some stat breakdowns, things of that nature. And I, like I said, we had our first guest finally. We're going to hopefully have more coming through the next part of the upcoming month. It's going to be pretty busy for me in my normal job, but we're still going to try and get these in every day. Again, a reminder, we are not going to have an episode for Sunday. Sunday is a low listenership day. We'll have a locked and loaded episode ready for you on Monday morning, but we hope that you have a great Saturday. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a leap day edition. Make sure that you rate the podcast, subscribe to it, write a review, tell your friends, tell your baseball fan buddies. Heck, tell the boss that you really don't like sitting around very much. He might be interested in it as well. This has been another edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a daily, somewhat, Major League Baseball podcast. My name is Greg Moraz. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you Monday morning, bright and early.